look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 1 through 13 there. And the title of the message today is A Sacrificial Mission with Eternal Reward. A Sacrificial Mission with Eternal Reward. Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13. I'm going to read this for us. We're going to pray. You're going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for our time. If you're new to the Bible, Ephesians is a, uh, an epistle in the New Testament. Don't be afraid to ask somebody beside you. Uh, check your table of contents. Uh, there's no shame in asking. I want the text to be there in front of you. I want you to be able to see it, underline it, highlight it, circle, do different things to help you to, to go back and to know what the Word said. Not my words, uh, but what the, God's Word has for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 reads this. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let me pray. Father, before us we have a a beautiful text where we see the, the power of the gospel working in the Apostle Paul's life. Lord, would you help us to see those realities as well? Would you help us today to be compelled to be people that live life on mission this year? That we would be a people dedicated to the work of proclaiming the gospel no matter the cost. Father, we need your help. I ask that the Spirit would, 
transform hearts today, would renew minds, would make us new. Would you change each and every person in here today for your glory? Help us to leave here different than we walked in. Father, we need your help, so we ask what we know not, would you teach us, and what we are not, would you make us, what we have not, would you give us by your grace, for your glory, in Christ's name, and God's people said, amen. So I have a question for you this morning that has the potential to alter the rest of your year and hopefully the rest of your life. You're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The question is this, it's very simple. Does your heart yearn for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people? Very simple question. Does your heart yearn for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people? Here's the kicker though, right? What are you willing to sacrifice? If you answer yes to that, then what are you willing to sacrifice? Another way to put it would be this. What are you willing to sacrifice for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people? I want you to think about that for a moment. What are you willing to sacrifice for the proclamation of gospel. Now, I want to think that all Christians genuinely desire that the lost be reached, that they are converted, right? And ultimately, so that God gets glory. He gets worship. That's the point of evangelism. That's the point of missions, is that God gets glory, that he is worshiped because he is worthy of all worship. But what happens when it actually costs us something? Like when it gets personal, when it, when it gets in the way of our hopes, our dreams, when it affects our way of life. What happens when we have to sacrifice something personally? See, this is when the rubber meets the road, right? You know, we can say, we can have at the, the, the heart of our desires that, like, yes, I really want this to be true. I want God to get the glory. I mean, we can proclaim, we can scream at the top of the mountain that we love God and that we will do anything to make him known. But when our mountain is built with stones of comfort and security, our mountain is nothing more than a house of cards that will quickly diminish at the slightest notion of disturbance. See, 2021, with all of its chaos and confusion and corruption, is gone. And by God's grace, we have another year before us. Um, and I personally, like, I, I thank God that he gives us these kind of renewals, right? You know, we, we get hours, we get minutes, we get hours, we get days, we get weeks, we get months, we get years. We kind of get this, you know, reset, right? I mean, just think if, like, life in this fall and where it was just one long day, 
I'd be pretty miserable. I don't even like thinking about it. Uh, that would be rough. It would be tough to just say like this, yeah, just never getting to, to, to rest, to go to sleep, to, to reset. And I think that we get these common graces so that we can remember that there is something more. See, the good news is that we have a new year to reset. We have a new year to refocus, realign our priorities, make some changes. It's are good things. We all need those things. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But the bad news is that this year will be full of challenges of its own. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. For some of us, it might be tougher than last year. There could be things ahead of us this year that may be harder and more difficult than the year that's just passed. And listen, for Christians who faithfully are committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we all should be, we must enter this year expectant and ready for opposition, knowing that we are on a sacrificial mission as ambassadors for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, this isn't just some, you know, ad hoc thing. We are literally ambassadors for Christ Jesus. We find ourselves in the third chapter Paul's letter to the Ephesians today. And there aren't many people outside of Christ himself who championed sacrificial mission like the Apostle Paul. Paul has spent the first two chapters of this letter actually reminding his reader of the wonderful glories of salvation. That God has literally created a new family from two people groups who have hated each other since their beginnings, the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says, hey, listen, God has merged this family together, has forged them together, these two people groups, and he's created a new man, and he's adopted them into his heavenly kingdom. And now they are sons, daughters, brothers, and sisters. It's a glorious truth. But now in chapter 3, Paul reiterates the truths about the unity of this new family that has already been discussed. But he also explains how God has appointed him to proclaim God's marvelous plan of reconciliation. And in this portion of our text, he, he basically just becomes overjoyed to have the opportunity to be able to do what he has been called to do. And he basically says that regardless of the sacrifice and the suffering that it entails, I will go along. Whatever God calls me to do, whatever God has charted my path, I will do it joyfully. See, it's important to remember that Paul is incarcerated during his time of writing. He's in prison for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. 
Uh, the Jews want him to stop this message. They, they, they say, hey, listen, why are you preaching this message of salvation to the Gentiles? They're not included. You need to stop. And Paul says, I won't. Ultimately, Paul is essentially saying, hey, look, I was called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though I am in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am not going to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. One track mind Paul had. Paul is on a sacrificial mission. Church, brothers and sisters, if you call yourself Christian, this is your mission as well. This is your mission. Each and every one of you. See, too often, many in the church think that missions and evangelism is an isolated work for missionaries and church staff, right? Well, that's the, the pastor's job, or that's the missionary's job, or, or I've got to, here's the, the, the famous thing, right? I've got to bring them to church so that they can hear the gospel. That is a very Western American way to view Christianity. The, the church is technically Christians, that's how the Bible explains the church. It's the group of believers that are gathered to worship their God. So, so we, we gather to equip and then we scatter into each and every area of our lives to evangelize. We, we gather to equip. So we want to train, equip. We want to help you to understand what, is, what, what this book is talking about the applications, the implications on each and every one of your lives. And then we want you to be able to go out and evangelize. That's what the Bible calls us to do. And as the church, we all have a role to play. See, you all have uh, relationships and unique opportunities that I will never have. Each and every one of you. You, you have different friends. You have different uh, interactions each and every day that are unique to you. And, and that's all God's grace. That's all his kindness. It's all the way that he, he's working out his plan of salvation, reconciliation. So your job, our job, as we go, is to share what we know. And listen, this is not a negotiation, right? See, we don't get to pick and choose uh, the parts of the Christian life we like when we say yes to Jesus. When we're saved, we don't get to say, well, I'll, I'll take this, but, but I'll leave that right there. See, when you follow Jesus, he, he says this, right? He says that, uh, so therefore, in Luke 14, 33, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Renounce all that he has. Now, those are strong words. The question we must ask ourselves is, am I willing to do that? Am I willing to renounce all that I have for the sake of Christ? To be in the family of God. This year, my prayer for us as a church 
is that we will be a people that eagerly and joyfully say yes. That we will be a people that just, just it, 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 it oozes, it, it comes out of us by every breath that we would say yes, I would lay down everything for Christ Jesus. I have six attributes of sacrificial mission that I want to point out from our text today. There's six attributes from our text of a sacrificial mission, the mission that we've all been called towards as Christians. The first attribute is that it benefits others. It benefits others. We see this in verse 1, where Paul reminds the Gentiles that he was in prison. He says, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. He says essentially that Paul is locked up on behalf of the Gentiles. He's saying, I, I'm ministering to you. He says, I, I want to see you converted. I, I want to see you changed. Now, some of you may know this. Some of you may not. Uh, some of you may be surprised. But tw over 20 years ago, when I was 19, I was incarcerated. I got into a fight with some guys, and uh, I got the, the best end of the fight. Uh, but I didn't get the, the best end of the consequences. Um, and I was, a, I was a wild child, if you, if you don't know that. Uh, my testimony is very radical. The Lord saved me and redeemed me from uh, a lot of anger and hostility towards him and others. And so I, I got into a fight with some guys, and I had to go to jail. And let me just tell you, it, it's not a happy place. It's not a very comfortable uh, situation. Uh, just having your freedom taken away from you, having uh, just people telling you what to do. It's like I went back to my toddler years, right? You know, you, you just always having someone tell you what to do, when you can do it, when your bedtime is, what you can eat. There's not a lot of options. In Paul's day, prison was even worse. It wasn't as clean and sanitary as it is now. Uh, Paul was likely uh, chained to a Roman soldier here. But instead of complaining about his situation, instead of changing his motives, instead of, you know, sitting here and just like, oh, I, I can't believe that I am here. It's all because of you. He says, I'm here on behalf of you. Now, the application here is not that everyone needs to go get locked up to prove their love for someone else. Uh, I'm not clearly calling anyone to that, but here's what we can ask. When is the last time I did something on behalf of another? When was the last time that I did something where I actually had to sacrifice? I did something that inconvenienced me. Now, we're, we're all quick to say yes and answer needs when it doesn't cause inconvenience. It doesn't mess up our schedule. But we need to ask ourselves, right? Have I served my brothers and sisters in Christ the way that Christ served? 
He gave himself. Paul says here, I'm incarcerated, I'm in prison on behalf of you. And what is he doing? He's continuing to minister to these people in light of his situation. Here, the Apostle Paul reminds us that true sacrificial mission benefits others, not self. Secondly, we see our second attribute here is that sacrificial mission understands the lordship of Christ. It understands the lordship of Christ. Uh, Still in verse 1, Paul notes that he does not consider himself a prisoner of the state. He's not a prisoner of any uh, government. He's not a prisoner of of any type of, of person. But he says, rather, I'm considering myself under the divine power of Christ our Lord. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So he says, I am imprisoned under the authority of Christ. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to live a life of sacrificial mission, we must let this reality rule our thoughts. Listen, we belong to Christ. Amen? We belong to Christ Jesus. In fact, everything belongs to Christ. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 reminds us of this. Paul writing again, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent just means it's the best of the best. There is no greater than Christ. Jesus Christ is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So as Christians, we entrust ourselves to him, knowing that no matter what happens, as we faithfully obey his leading, Jesus is in charge. So guess what? We have nothing to fear. And look, this may not mean that we get temporal relief of an unpleasant situation. Paul's not asking for this here. Paul doesn't complain. He says, I'm in jail. I am in jail because I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's clear to say that Paul understood the lordship of Christ Jesus. The third attribute of sacrificial mission is that it understands the gospel. It understands the gospel. I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. 
assuming that you have heard of the stewardship. Uh, this just means administration or kind of management of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Uh, this revelation that he's talking about here is likely uh, the, his uh, conversion experience on the road to Damascus. He's saying it was given to me by a revelation that the Lord came to me. And then in verse 4 he says, when you read this, now this letter was likely read aloud uh, in the church amongst the believers. So he would, he would pen a letter, uh, a messenger would take it back, and then they would read the letter to the church. And he says, so when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is not made, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, it is, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Then in verse 6 he says, this mystery, so he gives the clarification of what this mystery is, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So let's talk a little bit about what Paul is communicating here. He is saying that now he has been given a stewardship of God's grace toward the Gentiles. In the Bible, there are many truths hidden in the Old Testament and later revealed uh, in the New Testament that that are basically, they're called mysteries, right? So things that were in the Old Testament that uh, people didn't really understand exactly what was going on, but the New Testament uh, reveals those things. And this is one of them, uh, that Jew and Gentile are now brought together as one body in the Messiah. Uh, we talked a little bit about this when we were studying Amos. We, we saw that uh, even in Amos's time that there was a prophetic word that uh, there will be an inclusion of the Gentiles. See, they didn't understand that then. But here, Paul says this is the mystery. Now, listen, uh, this is important, okay? We will not reveal a message like Paul. We, we don't have no new revelations to, to give to anyone. Um, we will re-reveal as we learn the doctrines of grace on our own. We, we re-reveal the, the truths of Scripture. We say, hey, this, this is what we know to be true based on God's Word. Uh, if you remember right, the Jews and the Gentiles, they weren't besties. Uh, they weren't, you know, shooting text messages, meeting up for coffee. Uh, they were very hostile towards one another. I mean, there was animosity built up for uh, years. The Gentiles experienced different types of alienation from social to spiritual, and because of the social alienation, there was a, a very strong alienation with spiritual matters, and some of them just said, like, I'm fine with that. I, I, you know, I'm not even going to get near any of this Messiah talk. They were considered cut off from God, and a lot of them were okay with that. So this message that Paul is given here, that he's explaining, is not the most accepted 
message. It's not like people are like, yep, that makes perfect sense. We're in. No. Paul says, the message that I have is so important. It's, it's so impactful. It, I must, no matter the cost, I, I must communicate it. But Paul also understood a very important truth. And he understood that what is not properly understood cannot be properly taught. Let me say that again. What is not properly understood cannot be properly taught. There must be an understanding of biblical truth and knowledge of the gospel at the forefront of our mission. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone is going to be a scholar. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to just understand everything very quickly. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be a, a writer, prolific speaker. But what it does mean is that when it comes to the Christian faith, we must know what we believe and why we believe it. R.C. Sproul says this. He says, no Christian can avoid theology. Every Christian is a theologian. Perhaps not a theologian in the technical or professional sense, but a theologian nevertheless. The issue for Christians is not whether we are going to be theologians, but whether we are going to be good theologians or bad ones. We all, theology is the study of God. It's what we know about God. See, faith is even just believing that God is who he says he is. It's that God is who he has promised to be. What this tells us is that we need to spend time studying our Bibles. We need to spend time talking to others about our faith in community. We need to spend time asking questions when we don't understand. Having conversations. Listen, the resources that are at our fingertips these days are ridiculous. I mean, we, we have resources beyond our wildest imagination. We have the answers to the hard complexities of the Christian faith that many before us never had. By God's grace, we stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. But we've got to spend time here. One of the things that I've uh, committed to and resolved for uh, 2022 is I, I, I want to spend less time on screens and more time in paper. And I know, and uh, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Gabe and I, we, we met, um, did some planning and prayer for you all and uh, different things for the new year. And, you know, as even as a pastor, right, we I know, like, I, I literally get paid to do this. You, you guys uh, pay me to, to study, to, to be in the Word. And even for me, right? I mean, there's distractions. 
there's stains that come up. So I know that it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to every day to say, like, I'm going to have this chunk of time that I'm carved out, that I'm just going to be in my word. But let me promise you this. We will have a much easier time living a life of sacrificial mission if we spend more time in our Bibles. And here's the reason why, right? Because you cannot study God's word without coming across the commands to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. We, we, we won't miss the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, this type of love takes sacrifice. And this type of love is only attainable when we understand the gospel and seek to apply the truths we find in God's word to our lives. Number four, sacrificial mission maintains humility. A sacrificial mission maintains humility. Verses 7 and 8, he says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. See, Paul understood his deficiency and depravity, and points everything back to God's grace. See, he was not worried about getting praise. Shoot, I don't even think he really knew the impact these letters would have on the church for, for all of history. I don't know if he ever like, thought, like, okay, we're, they're going to put these things together, and people are going to preach these for years to come. This is going to be the, the, the canon. It's going to be done. Paul constantly reminded those around him that he was not deserving of salvation. And we need to remember that he had been a a, a rabid enemy of Christians before his conversion. But even more, as the premier theologian of the church, he had a profound understanding of his own sin. He understood that it was all of God's grace. To Timothy, he said, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. He wrote that towards the end of his life, too. He says, hey, Christ came to save, and I needed salvation. To the Corinthians, he wrote, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Brothers and sisters, he knew what he was. There was a level of humility The Apostle Paul displayed, but he also understood the grace of our great God. He understood God's grace. Paul simply could not get over the immense privilege he had of ministering for God. And this produced a humility in him that pointed people to Christ. 
true mission of sacrifice will require humility. We must be okay with not getting recognition, without getting acknowledgement, even honor at times. That is tough, right? It's embedded in our DNA, right? We want recognition. We want to be honored. We want to be noticed. If you are on social media and you, you see a picture that maybe you might be in, right? What's the first thing you're doing? You're zooming in and what do I look like in this picture? Am I there? Right? I know I was there, so did they get a picture of me too? We want accomplishments for what we do. We want acknowledgement for anything that we achieve. We want people to say like, hey, thanks. We want pats on the back. We like to be noticed. And honor is not a bad thing. We should be a people that encourage one another. But when we live a life of sacrificial mission, we need to be people that are humble, that are always pointing the glory to God and being okay when we get none, zero, when those things go unnoticed. Like I said, I've, I've said this before, that the Christian life is, is, is really mundane in the sense that we do a lot of stuff that we never get acknowledged for. And listen, that's okay. God is who we should aim for glory. We should be deflectors of glory. Continually pointing it back to him like the Apostle Paul. If you remember Jesus' words to the rich young man in Matthew 19, 30, right? He says, but many who are first will be what? Last. And the last will be first. Listen, self-promotion and self-exaltation has no room in the kingdom of God. We must be a people of obscure humility if we aim to be people who live lives of sacrificial mission. got to be a people and say, God is for your glory, not my own. Our fifth attribute here is that a sacrificial mission sees the richness of Christ. It sees the richness of Christ. Listen, pay attention here. Here's the thing, right? You must see the richness of Christ for any of this to be worth it. Sacrifice won't be worth it if we don't see the richness of Christ to which we are sacrificing for. Listen, if you find Christ boring, then you're never going to be able to sacrifice for him question you must ask is, who is Christ to you? Who is Jesus? Is he just some great teacher? Is he just some great writer, great speaker, a great teacher? Or is he the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior of the world, perfection embodied, God in flesh, the beautiful one, the one who gave his life so you can have perfect life 
eternal. Have you considered the richness of Christ? Paul did. Look at verse 8, right? He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the what? Unsearchable riches of Christ. For Paul, sacrifice was worth it because what? Christ was worth it. Willing to give up everything because Christ is rich. It's perfect. Friends, this could be the crux of the sermon, right? I mean, if you don't take anything else away today, this is it. I could have just walked up here and, and, and just preached this point. And it would have been enough. The glory of all of Christ's riches are unsearchable. They are infinite. They are untraceable. They are inexhaustible cannot be tracked the glories of Christ are something to be beheld and the question I have to ask you is do you truly believe that today do you believe that Christ is worth everything and if so, you will be able to give up anything. All for Christ. When we focus on the glory of Christ our Lord, the sacrifice that was made for us so that we can be in a right relationship with him, our hearts are pushed towards praise. And see, and then this gives birth to a heart of sacrifice because we see how much he deserves to be praised. So we are willing to give up anything so that he gets the praise that he deserves. In our lives, we need to have a filter. We need to have a, a filter that Everything kind of flows through. That our, our life is, our, our framework is, is just built around it. And it funnels down to this. And it says, does this help people see the unsearchable richness of Christ? Every decision, everything we're doing. Does it help people? Does it point people to the richness of Jesus, the glories of our Savior? And listen, and if those questions that we run through, those decisions that we run through that filter, if they don't say yes to that question, we need to have a real good reason why we continue to do it. We need to have a conviction of why we continue to do the things that we do. See, Paul knew that the riches of Christ were paramount and worthy of all praise from all people. 
And this motivated him to sacrifice so that people would hear the gospel, they would respond to the gospel, and then they would give God glory. But listen, it starts with us seeing the richness of Christ. See, we're not going to give attention to something that we don't see valuable. We won't give attention to something that isn't valuable to us. We're not going to talk about something that isn't valuable to us. If you think about any gifts you may have gotten at Christmas, what's the one that maybe you've talked about, that you've just been thrilled that so-and-so gave to you? If you didn't get any gifts, then that's okay too. Your family still loves you. But the things that have been given to us that are valuable are the things we typically talk about, that we deem valuable. Not, it's not necessarily the price tag. It's the things that we hold tightly, things that we say, this is something that is beautiful to us. We do not see the richness of Christ that he will not get our attention, he will definitely not get our allegiance. Listen, if you do nothing else this year, if you're not a person that makes uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, that's fine, um, or resolves is more of what I like to call them, resolve to do something and change and make some type of change. If you do nothing else this year, here's what I pray that you, you do. I pray that you will spend some time each day praying that God will help you see more clearly the richness of Christ. Each day, wake up. Lord, help me to see the beauty of Christ today in everything that I do. I pray that our church would, would have a commitment to that in 2022. And listen, I believe our hearts and our church would be changed if we committed to this. I believe God would truly do something radical. Lastly, in verses 9 through 13, we see the sacrificial mission keeps a high view of the church. Keeps a high view of the church. And to bring to light for everyone, verse 9, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Verse 13, he says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Finally, here we see that Paul is putting a, a high priority on the church. And we're not talking about a building. We're talking about the people of God. And we need to note that if you have a high view of Christ, you should have a high view of the church because guess what? They are Christ's redeemed people, blood-bought, paid for, 
redeemed, saved, secured by the Spirit. The church has a purpose. We have a purpose. We have a, a mission. We see this purpose implied in verse 10, right? He says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Listen, the church isn't a social club. Church isn't a political party. Church isn't a free-for-all. And it's not optional. God has a special plan for his church, for his people. And here's what this teaches us, right? Paul is teaching here that the church is God's plan to show his manifold wisdom to, to everyone, including his adversaries. These, these powers and authorities and the heavenly, some say that that would be uh, even uh, fallen angels and other different demonic forces. That through the church, there's other parts in Scripture where it talks about the, the angels are, are waiting, that creation is groaning with anticipation to see the redemption of God's people, to see the, the final consummation when Christ returns, when we are resurrected to new life. This word manifold is a term that occurs only here in the Bible. And here's what it means. It means to be varied beyond measure and in a way that surpasses all previous knowledge thereof. It's something that cannot be fathomed. So this means by God's grace, we have been set apart for a special purpose that will bring great glory to our God. So listen, look around at your brothers and sisters. The, the people in here, those that are Christians, those that are believers of this great gospel. Think about your brothers and sisters that are meeting all over this city, all over the state, all over the country, all over the globe. Think about those that have gone before us. Think about the, your, your favorite Bible character. Think about your, your favorite theologian. Think about your, your favorite Puritan, your, your favorite whoever. The Apostle Paul, the disciples, the martyrs of the faith. This is the church. Each and every believer in Christ, we are just a local representation of that reality. This is the family of God, God's great design. And now we get to live a life of sacrificial mission. The eternal reward is that we will be together worshiping our Savior in perfection for eternity. No New Year's, no resets, no need to... To, to change anything. We will be perfected. 
No more broken bones, no more sicknesses, no more death. Wipe away every tear. Praise God. And we get to do it together. And it is a reality because of who? Jesus. It's all because of Christ. See, we sacrifice because Christ is worth everything. Close with a Spurgeon quote. He once said this in a sermon delivered in 1873 to his church. And he said this, he said, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. He says, recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. He says, be wise in your generation and speak of him in fitting ways and at fitting times. And so in every place proclaim the fact that Jesus is most precious to your soul. Amen. And we be a people who are fully committed, unapologetically committed to the truths of Scripture, to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and be a people that truly make the love of Christ known to those around us in 2022. We're going to close now. I want to just spend some time as... Seth and Katie come up to lead us in our final song, but just praying. Spend a few moments of just prayer, and before we sing this final song today, and just ask the Lord to, to work in your heart that as we literally walk out of here today, that our hearts would be set towards this type of of mission. We would be a people that would truly sacrifice. We would be a people that are known by our love for one another. Jesus told his disciples, right, when he left, he said, this is how they're going to know that you're my people. It's because you have love for each other. And as we love each other, that love spill out in our homes, our communities, our workplace, wherever we go. So take a moment to reflect, to pray, then Seth will lead us.